and welcome to episode three of the Hartlepool United podcast. Alongside me here this afternoon, Chief Executive Mark Maguire and Director of Football and Temporary First Team Manager Craig Hicknett. Good afternoon, gents. Afternoon. Good afternoon. And now, obviously, this week has been fairly tumultuous in terms of events. Um, there's no no other way we can really start the podcast but to get stuck into it. Um, Matthew Bates on Wednesday afternoon it was announced has left his role as first-team manager. Uh, I guess, can you talk us through the, the way that that decision was reached? And, and yeah, yeah, I think, I think um, as might be suggested, when we were kind of joking around in the last podcast um, about Matthew not being here in, in, for, for, for that, that we, we didn't really expect to be in this position at this point. Um, and, and so it's been, a, it's been a really difficult week for everybody concerned. Um, and Matthew is somebody that, I think Craig will echo is that we've really enjoyed working with and has worked bloody hard on behalf of the football club and the achievement of last year keeping the club in the division was in many ways fundamental to its survival as as a club because it made it a far more attractive proposition for investment. Um, so so huge thanks. So obviously we'll always go out to him for that and the work that he's done. Um, I, I think the the thing to address from our point of view is that the the measurement of a manager and Craig will probably expand on on what we want to be as a club and and the kind of vision going forward football wise. But we're, we're not a club and we're not a board of directors who are going to react to individual runs of results. So in, in the same way that earlier in the season when things were going really well, we weren't getting carried away with ourselves. And the fact that we sit here now with um, six defeats on the trot. It's, it's not going to be the results in isolation that are going to make us make a kind of knee-jerk or reactionary decision to things. Um, going forward, I'd like to think that the measure of a management of a manager will be based on the the criteria you would expect to measure performance. So, um, are we progressing as a club? Have we got an identity on the pitch? Have we, have we got a way of playing that we're convinced that for the league that we're in, we can succeed in? Our players improving? Um, have we got confidence in the way that the the, the um, squad's being managed and the harmony within the squad? Uh, have we got a clear plan and vision for the way it's going forward and what are the results like? So it's fr- from our point of view, with no disrespect to the people who maybe feel it necessary to shout their advice, um, it's not about some fans turning and, and letting their feelings be known. It's not about the crowd dropping by a certain amount on a certain game. It's about taking a cold hard sort of step back and, and analysing where we're at. And of course, the results stimulate that conversation. But it's important that we step back and look at those criteria and we have really detailed conversations about it. And most recently, from that point of view, we had we had a scheduled meeting yesterday with, with Matty where, where because of um, recent results and because of the, the kind of general feel around things, we felt it w- was time to sit down and have a conversation about all of those areas and, and in order to kind of give the board confidence um, that we were going in the right direction and doing the right things to move forward and it's at the point where without going into too much detail it's at the point where collectively and ultimately it's the chairman's decision but collectively we haven't necessarily got that confidence that it's going to continue in the right direction then that's when you have to make a decision and it's the worst possible part of football because of all of the personal stuff and because you see a really yeah. decent guy like Massey 
doing what he's doing and working as hard as he is. But but sometimes you have to take tough decisions for for the long term, and we'll be judged on that, obviously. But but we wish him all the very very best. I mean, Craig, you've been in the similar sort of situation as Matthew finds himself now, haven't you? And you know, do you have that sympathy with him? And and obviously as well, we don't want to be a club that's rotating our managers all the time. No, and that's what we said when we come in. Um, I've obviously got massive sympathy with him. Um, I, I, more than anyone, wanted him to be a success and, and I wanted it to work out. Um, like Mark says, Matty's been brilliant last year when he took over. Um, had great results last year, ain't the job. And then, obviously, this season, he's had some really good spells as well. So I'm uh, hugely frustrated, shall I say, and, and gutted for, for Matthew. Um, but like I say, it was it was a a little bit of a, a surprise. You know, it, it wasn't something that was planned definitely. Um, but we don't want to be a club to be seen to be going through managers left, right, and centre. It's not the image I want for this football club. I want us to be an attractive proposition. I want us to be a, a club that managers would want to come and manage in. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want them to know that you know they'll, they'll give all, they'll get all the help that they they need. Um, and that's the type of club. I'd like to. I'd like to create. You talk about you know the manager going on the, the the journey with the club. I suppose it's obviously very early days in the takeover still, isn't it? In the, in the new ownership, should I say? And and it's about growing the club and building the club for the future. Well, it's small steps. We very nearly didn't have a club last year, so to get where we are now is has been really a great effort by everyone, um, not least the chairman who's who's had to put a, a substantial amount of money in. Um, and we do want it to grow. We know it's going to be a slow process. We know we're not going to go and, and straight away we're going to be promotion, promotion, promotion. It's hard work. Um, you put in a bit of groundwork. We've put in lots of groundwork this year to make sure that we give ourselves the best possible chance to, yeah. to get promoted or to get in the playoffs. Um, we, we started the season really, really well. Um, so from that point of view, we always knew it was it was a challenge, but it was a challenge that we're, we're up for and we're still up for. Uh, and it still could turn out to be a successful season. So I think the important thing is we we see where we've come from, mm-hmm. we see where we are now, and as long as there's improvement and we're getting better and we're getting better as a club, then that's all you can ask for, really. But at the same time, we're, we're all ambitious and yeah, we want yeah. to get there as quick as we can. And I think it's it's important to kind of look at if we're talking honestly and openly again it's it's important to look at the appointment of Matty and then the opportunity of the appointment now and it's disrespectful to kind of think too much about that side of things but M- Matty Bates had, had earned the right to get the job for the start of the season yeah. he'd earned the right based on what he did and anything else would have been unreasonable really and unfair and I know obviously the chairman and Craig because I wasn't around at that stage explored sort of other options and, and came to the correct conclusion that he'd earned the right um, and that was right at that time and it was right to give him the opportunity but it's equally right that the board continually look at that in terms of the decision that was made in context of all of the things I've described to see whether or not for the long long term whether whether we're going in the right direction and it's better to if the confidence isn't there it's better to decide that early than it is to let it drag on with those doubts growing as it were so um, it's it's really tough 
because of, of the personal thing, and I think I've touched on this in, in my per, in, in my program notes this week. You, you know, when I joined into football, I, I became I stopped being Mark and became Maguire with apostrophes <laughs> straight away. And and the, the nature of it, when you see an, an individual working as hard as, as Matty did, the, the the personal side and the criticism of him from that point of view is difficult to watch. And yeah. and al- almost from the board point of view, I think makes us a bit more pig-headed and want to stick with it longer. Um, it has a kind of opposite effect because I think we we can't be guided by um, that type of stuff. So I think we we need to make clear, cold-hearted sometimes, but clear-headed decisions um, based on everything that we see on the... In any other business, you would look at the performance across a set of criteria and, and make the decision accordingly. I think we're determined to do that, but we've got a really strong vision, as, as Craig alludes to, about the way we want to be and how we want to make ourselves attractive. And I think everybody's got a part to play in that. The fans have got a massive part to play in terms of getting behind the team and you know creating an atmosphere that players want to play in and managers want to manage in. Um, from a football perspective and creating an infrastructure which Craig can deal with, um, we want to recruit into a, a structure rather than completely about turn and U-turn every time we change managers. And we've got a really solid and clear vision for the future to take the, the, the club forward and, and we just want everybody to buy into that and help us with it. Well, one thing I would say about Matthew Bates, um chairman said something quite interesting in his programme notes that I surely won't mind us sharing here. He, he basically said, you know, the, the Pools fans shouldn't forget the job that he did mm. last year because... He was almost in two minds about whether he would be able to continue with his takeover had the club been relegated into the next division down. So that's how important it was that this club stayed in the league Correct. last mm-hmm. season. It was massive. And, and the job he'd done with the squad he had, it, it, there wasn't anyone else who he could have put in um, as manager. So he, like Mark says, he'd, he'd earned the right without a shadow of a doubt. And, and the work that he did do last year, it shouldn't be forgotten. Because it's it's helped the club to to where we are now. It's helped Raj make a decision. It's helped him get his finances in order to, in order to purchase it. Um, along with the other stuff that went on, the, the save pools day, etc. Um, yep. So you you can't you know you can't underestimate what what a job he done last year. And now moving on to where we go from here. You're in charge for Saturday and temporarily until. Is there a, 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 no, I, well, it's an end date. First of all, I don't want the job. Let's get right, that out there. Okay. Um, secondly, I was brought in to protect the chairman's interests, which means me sitting upstairs and watching where his money goes and etc. Uh, etc. Et on the football side. Um, and like I said before, if I was manager, I wouldn't be protecting it because I'd be trying to spend it. So <laughs> that's that's different. Um, but what it does do is it gives us a chance uh, to to make sure that we get the right man in. So. I've done the job before, I know what it's all about. Um, this is a great club for someone, a really good club, and it's a, a project that we're only at the start of. It's it's a really attractive proposition, I think, if everyone's behind us, if the fans are behind us, if, if they can see what we're trying to do, if they can make it an attractive place to come. It's, it's a really good fit for someone who wants to grow and build and, and get in the league and, and try and have a good go. Um, but that's that's my focus. But me being in temporary charge means that we can take our time with that, and we can make sure that when we do it, we get the right man. I'd rather it sooner than than later. I don't want to be here come Christmas time doing the same <laughs> thing 
Um, but as a, as a stopgap, the chairman's asked me to do it. It's not something I, I asked to do, um, but I'm happy to do it because he's he's asked me to. In terms of finding a new manager, I'm interested. Is there a particular framework? Are we looking for a particular type of manager? Is there a criteria to be met? Yeah, yeah there, there is, and and we'll in the next couple of days we'll publish something along those lines in order for potential candidates to prepare any any presentations. I think um, we it's very much an open open process on, on the basis that um, first of all we hoped and didn't expect to be at this point, but. That there's no agenda here. There's nobody that we've been speaking to waiting to come through the door in the next couple of days. It's genuinely, mm-hmm. as of as of the announcement yesterday afternoon, both of our phones started going bananas, and you know applicants coming in from all over the place. And f- the job now, and I'll I'll do the admin bit in while um, Craig's out there. Sorry, Hignett is out there um, in apostrophes is out there on the training pitch. And I'll sift through the applications, and between us, over the next few days, we'll do a provisional shortlist to go through um, with the chairman, with a view to to interviews taking place thereafter. Um, so it's it's the begin beginning of a process. But but we want to emulate clubs like Swansea, and that might sound all highfalutin at the moment. But so Swansea were at the bottom of the division above us heading for administration when they were rescued by local business people um, and they went on to create an infrastructure and a vision which relied on sound financial management but most importantly creating an identity on the football side and and an infrastructure on the football side which they recruited into. So as I said before there wasn't this massive change every time the manager changed, They, they created a profile for a manager that they wanted. Um, and and it was very, very successful. And I think Alan Curtis, who was there for years and years, was famous for being caretaker a number of times because every time, and usually a manager going to a higher level to better things um, during that period, he took over as caretaker while they recruited the next one and did so really successfully. And I think too often in, in football you're reactionary and you don't investigate or look at best practice and our job is to look at best practice and that's the type of example we've been speaking about. And And so we'll create that. DNA or identity of the style of manager we want and will recruit accordingly this time and in the future. But no set time frame for that, it's just literally as long as it takes to find the right person. Yeah, as and when. Um, If it happens tomorrow, brilliant. I don't think it will. Um, (laughs) But, you know, as as long as it takes, as long as we do everything we can to make sure that the next man in here is the right one. And in the short term, I'm quite interested about your approach now. Obviously, you've got, what, two days with the players before a big game on Saturday. How do you go about that? I mean, there's obviously nothing you can do to to stamp a whole change or anything no, like that, is it? It's difficult. I've had one day today um, where, you know, some of the lads weren't training. There was a rest day for some of them because there's been so many games. Um, Jed's took the training. We've had a chat with the players, obviously. Um, and all you can do it. I'm a different personality to, to someone else. You know what I mean? It's Matty would be a different personality to me. It's... There's nothing I'm going to affect come come Saturday, but I can put my personality, if you like. Is that just getting around the players? And I think so. I think it's just um, some of them will need picking up, some will need an arm around them, some of them will need telling them what what's expected of them. Um, everyone's different, and you have to know different characters. Um, I'm fortunate enough to know most of the dressing room, if not all of the dressing yeah. room. So Jed's there, Ross is there, who who know the lads inside out 
so so basically it's it's just a case of going in and, and filling in with a body down if you like so I've just gone in and, and made the extra body up Will Bruno have a role to play? Listen if it was anything to do with me he would <laughs> That's the, that's honestly what, a, a very big gap in the operation today is that Bruno's not in the office and around the place so we're um, yeah the sooner You're not allowed to take the train I'm not no he's, no he's devastated he'll be on his own I'll be there have been anonymous calls to the RSPCA um, <laughs> yeah so Bruno might be adopted shortly by somebody but the thing is we just everyone's got to pull together there'll be people in there who'll be disappointed there'll be people who think they've let Matthew down there'll be you know they'll they'll want a, a reaction and and the best way to do that is get out and run around on a football pitch for 90 minutes and do your best and and see what comes of it well, I think that's that's a great point sorry no, no, but I think it's a, it's a great point in, in you know my the, the way I look at it from my point of view is I'm chief exec. A significant part of my job is to support a manager in delivering success and performance on the football pitch and, and removing the reasons why that can't happen. And so when you have to change manager, to a certain extent, I failed. I consider I failed. And so you, you look at yourself and look what you can do differently and look at how you can help going forward. It's about being able to look at yourself in the mirror when, when something like this happens. But... It, that's how I, I think a lot of us feel around the place is that it's there's no joy or enjoyment whatsoever in, in a decision like this being made because it's a failure on everybody's behalf. Yeah. And and then it becomes very, very quickly um, about galvanising a group of people and Craig is at the sharp end of that in galvanising people to turn things around quickly to give everybody a lift essentially because um, what we have to do is make sure that this club is as attractive as possible for the right man to come in and that means results on the pitch it means the atmosphere is referred to a couple of times and the infrastructure being right so it's um, yeah it's it's tough really it's difficult I think to describe what a football club's like on a day when a manager leaves because the atmosphere is quite unique I think and today was the first time I think I've actually been to a training ground the day after a manager's left in all the time I've been here and that was quite a strange atmosphere as well around the place it is quite a an odd one isn't it the way that it feels when a manager who's been a big part then suddenly isn't well, there well he's been here for a long time now yeah so he knows the football club inside out and, and you know people have become friends if you like and it, it's tough it really is tough It's football's a weird world where one minute you're working with your mate and the next yeah. minute he's, he's gone and you, you have to pick up the pieces if you like and, and get on without him and and act as if nothing's happened well it, that's clearly not the case and like I say there'll be some people feeling like they've let him down there'll be some people feeling aggrieved um, in, in some clubs there'll be people happy because they, oh, they don't always get on with managers um, but I'm sure that that wasn't the case here um, so yeah it is a weird atmosphere and it, it's weird certainly weird for me it's weird for Mark um, but you've got to get on with it and you've got to got to do your best and you've got to pick the lads up and you've got to make sure that come three o'clock on the Saturday that they're ready to go out and give their all. And I guess the message, obviously you've been putting in the change room, but the message to go out of the club to the fans ahead of the weekend, what would that be from the, from Des- the top? Desperately the need you. Desperately need you to, you know, there'll be um, the, the recruitment of a new manager, above all else, the recruitment of a new manager is not just us auditioning them, it's them auditioning us. And so it's really important that fans can play a part in showing what the club can be about, showing the players what they're about, so getting behind them, turning up in their numbers to show what a big club this is at this level and the potential of the club to go up. And and the the better we look, 
and, and that means the way that Craig and myself and the chairman present ourselves and, and um, sell the vision of the club. But the fans um, and, and the staff and the players do their bit as well in terms of showing what Hartlepool United are all about. And there are a number of people who understand what a great club this can be. And we've got to show it. So we're desperate for the fans to get on board with that over the next few days and show what the club's really about. And obviously to come and, and get behind on Saturday, it's going to be, you know, you know what it's going to be like here at the Super Yeah, that's, that's me. It has been tough. And it's been tough for a few years at home, especially. Um, and I would urge them all to get, get behind the players because the last thing, you know, we've got some young lads who, who were learning away in the game. We were very promising young lads. Um, they need encouraging. They will make mistakes, but they need encouraging. So, like Mark says, it's an audition for us. If, if someone sat in the stands, coming as a prospective new manager, we want to show them what a place this could be. And, and without you getting behind us, um, it's, it's going to be more difficult. So get behind us, cheer the lads on, make it a real atmosphere. Um, and we understand that we need to give the fans something to shout about. That goes without saying. You know, winning football games is the best thing ever. Um, and we have to do. We have to play our part in that. So we we have to go out and give them something to shout about. But I would urge them, um, please come, get behind the lads, um, and don't lose faith in them because we've got some really good players here and some good young lads who, who are going to have good careers in football. And and Hartlepool is going to be the, their first. Step and stone, if you like. So, get behind them. Are you, are you excited? Will it feel strange being back in the dugout? I don't know whether I'm excited. I'm disappointed because obviously yeah. Matthew and he, I class him as a, as a friend. I work really closely with him, so it will be weird. It's, it's it is disappointing to do it in them circumstances. Um, whether I'm excited, I'm always excited at football matches. So, <laughs> do you know that there's yellow and red cards for coach and stuff? Now? No, but I do now. So. <laughs> Listen, it doesn't I'm matter. reserving him a seat in the dirt. <laughs> it doesn't really why. matter, does it? It doesn't matter whether I get sent off or not because yeah. hopefully I'll only be doing it for a couple of games and hopefully we'll we'll get some positive results. Here's Adam Boy looking for the hat trick. Remember, oh, nice bit of school, even better bit of school. What a brilliant goal, Adam Boy! What a way to get your first hat trick. Okay, moving on. Um, we asked for emails the first podcast. None arrived. Um, but we repeated that appeal last week and we actually have had quite a few emails through from people lots of people actually not raising a question but just saying great idea what a good listen to the podcast which is nice to hear so thank you for everyone who's got in touch Uh, under the circumstances we probably won't go through all the emails we've had uh, in the last week we'll we'll read a couple to you now but we'll uh, we'll reserve them for the next podcast as well so if you have emailed in and you, you know it doesn't get read out today then we will come to it as uh, as time goes on, so don't feel disheartened on that front. Um, we've had a couple in for the moment of near brilliance, which I quite like. Um, and this one came in from Alex Hodgson, who actually films our games here at the uh, the, the stadium on a match day. And he, see, he was telling us about this. I said, you've got to send that in. So he has sent it in. So let me just read Alex's uh, moment of near brilliance to you here. He said, when I was at school... I used to play football every Friday night because I'm tremendously average at best. I was often put at right back to be kept out of the way. I knew my limitations and decided that I'd be very disciplined in my play, barely venturing over the halfway line. That was until the last 10 minutes of every week when I decided just to go for it. 
This one particular week, we were playing as usual and the last 10 minutes arrived and as the shackles were released, I made my way up the wing and found myself with the ball just outside the corner of the box. I looked up and saw my team flooding into the box and decided to play the cross in. As the ball floated in, I saw a number of players looking up and turning around, watching the flight of the ball and then the keeper jumped and was unable to reach the ball and it suddenly occurred to me, my cross was going in. I was all set to score, possibly the best goal I'd ever score, when out of nowhere, this lad put his hand up at the back post and made a wonder save on the line, taking the glory away from me. I just stood with my hands on my head as the penalty was awarded to my team. And to make matters worse, I wasn't even allowed to take it. Oh, gutted. Absolutely gutted. <laughs> In fairness, the oh, lad who scored no. told me that was your goal, but it still didn't give me any solace because my moment was ruined. <laughs> It must be something about right backs, and this has just come to me now. So I was watching my stepson play um, football last Sunday. So he's, he's 13, playing under 14s team, and he's been playing for about four years. And he's all right. He's all right to be fair, but he's been desperate to score, absolutely desperate to score. And I take the Mickey out of him every week, saying you've got no chance, Ryan. You've got no chance. And uh, anyway, so he, the ball comes and he chests it down on the uh, halfway line and he does a little shimmy and he beats one player. And I'm running the line, so I'm <laughs> not watching what's going on properly, but beats another player. He's beaten three and he's one-on-one -on -one with the keeper and he's going through and he lets fly. And the keeper just gets his hand to it and parries it and it's just about to dribble over the line when the striker comes and taps it. With an <laughs> and I was rolling around on the floor laughing at him. <laughs> and he should have been sent off for the uh, gestures that he gave me. <laughs> My whole entire, well, the whole season of our uh, junior school football team was ruined when the left-back's dad decided to offer him 50 pence every time he scored. So that meant literally every time he got the ball, he just booted it as hard as he could towards the goal and nobody else got the ball oh, off him. No. Uh, another moment of near brilliance um, suggested um, by uh, Richard Ward I think it is is it Richard yeah it's Richard Ward yeah um, he's, he just said great stuff enjoying the listen uh, particularly the putting the rumours putting the rumours to bed section which is really welcome he's got no questions at the minute but he said what about the only near miss that comes to mind and it's not me is the half time penalty competition when the kids run around the pitch afterwards how none of them have run into the net as they pass the town end, I don't know. That's bound to happen Saturday now, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like it. Um, any more? I've got one which maybe is a little bit more, because I think we were conscious today of not having too much hilarity, shall we say, yeah. obviously in the circumstances. So this one maybe sets a bit of a different tone. But So um, when, when, I was a, when I was a kid, um, my dad used to take us out very occasionally to, to play golf. And my dad, bless him, um, was the worst possible person to go out and play golf with in that his patience would last all of 20, 30 seconds. So me and my brother would line up on the tee and as you do, your head would lift and you'd top it. And he said, all right, pick it up. Come on, we're going, pick it up. <laughs> and that was that for that hole. And then you'd do it on the next hole. Pick it up, <laughs> whatever. And so we were on holiday in Scotland and there was this little nine hole course right on top of, uh, um, of the kind of cliffs above, above the water amazing place amazing views and um, we went out to play there and on one particular hole it was the sixth I think there was like a quarry and so it was literally a, there was a tee and then 130 yards 140 yards later there was a bit of a postage stamp of a, of a green and in between it was this quarry which was about 100 feet deep or something <laughs> so after two balls each in the quarry <laughs> come on we're going that's it <laughs> And for some reason, it stuck with me for years, that bloody hole in the thing. And I was like, wow, whatever. And anyway, he, he passed away a few years ago. Um, and 
I was on holiday in Scotland and I just this thing kept coming into me I've got to go and play that course and play that and I was due to play with my brother-in-law and we said I've got to play golf that day and we went it was on the Isle of Mull and uh, we, we drove up to the golf course my sister was there my mum was there and stuff and, and just literally as we got to the golf course my brother-in-law said nah I can't be bothered and I was like what <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> And, and I, I said, I've got to play. And it was almost like this mission, I've got to play. And I kind of hacked around the first few holes and I got to this hole. I got to the I got to the sixth. And I stood there and it was like really weird. And this is going to sound really strange, but everything just went calm and quiet. And, and I felt really serene and really, really, really weird, weird experience in many ways. And, um, and I lined up for the shot and I hit it absolutely perfectly. Unbelievable. And it, and it landed literally two feet from the pin. And I've never hit before or after. Never hit a shot like it. And then I three potted. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tried to ring everybody I knew to tell them about the experience and couldn't get a mobile phone signal. So on several levels, it was um, it was a moment of near brilliance, but uh, and it was an emotional one. I'm not playing golf at you then. <laughs> Cabudini twists and turns, trying to get into the box. Oh, brilliant, brilliant goal. How was he able to do that? So to finish off today, we go into our Mythbusters section. And uh, <laughs> I guess the only thing that really has been talked about on social media other than uh, before Matthew Bates' departure was the whole, um, I don't know what we call it, this whole story around Liam Noble. and Takeaway uh, gate. Takeaway gate. gate. Chinese gate, yes. I mean, what can we say about that whole issue to, to just sort of... <laughs> well, I think, I think the first, the myth to bust is the fact that the, the perception or consideration that our players are having Chinese takeaways on a bus on the way down to an away match is, is obviously ridiculous. Um, so so I think it's it's kind of safe to say, and, and you know, um, if Matty was here, he'd put his version of events. If Liam was here, he'd put his version of events. I think it's safe to say that when we, when we um, bought... Liam in and Craig will kick me if I say anything wrong because it's a football matter but when we brought Liam in we knew that we were bringing a passionate lad in who was a bit different who'd galvanised the crowd galvanised things on the pitch and, and would certainly occupy us in terms of management on a on a regular basis and, and that's what, what we, bought, we bought essentially and when when you get a run of results like we have over the last few weeks, then people are going to express themselves in different ways, and sometimes that's going to stray over the line of being considered appropriate, and sometimes it's going to stay within that, and that's always going to be for the management of the football side to control and sort out. And so I think for for a few weeks there have been a few little bits and bobs where stuff's been building up, perhaps, um, and and most recently the lads are on the way down to. Um, to the, the, the Dover, all of these long trips mixed into one. It was in Kent, it was bound to be. They stopped at, at Peterborough Services. We stopped there on the Saturday, didn't we, for a bacon butty? Yeah. Um, stopped at Peterborough Services. The lads. Grassy, uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't have a bacon butty. You did, you had two. Um, the lads lads get off the bus, go and get the food, and the, the choices were, I think, wraps and things like that. And the couple of lads, there's a little kind of noodle store, a stall at the front. And a couple of the lads got noodles and chicken from that and went back on the bus. And I think the perception was that that was maybe unhealthy and wrong and that was expressed in a way which the manager didn't agree with. And then the net result of that, that was Liam wasn't in the team and there was a reaction to that. And I think 
everybody agrees that there were bits of that that could have perhaps been dealt with differently. So I think Liam's acknowledged that maybe the reaction to being dropped wasn't what it should be. Um, and there's stuff that as a club that we've got to protect and not bring in stuff like that public and everybody acknowledges that. Um, and so we've had a pretty open conversation but it, about all of those things, but it it really is a bit of a mountain out of a molehill in, in, in these things. It was it was just the fact that it went out at the time it did in the way that it did and then got turned into uh, our lads having takeaways on the bus and everything's ridiculous. Which I've got to be just, honest, if there's a takeaway on the bus and I didn't know about it, I'd be absolutely raging like... Is that fair enough, Craig? Yeah, I would think so. I think chicken and noodles is a bit of a stretch to say it was a Chinese, but um, I said whether it's, it's, it's if you go on a service station, it's not far off one of the best things you buy in a service station, is it health wise? You got just the trained wraps as well. The, yeah, they just trained. You got the wraps. Listen, the, the the bottom line is if you're playing well on a Saturday and if you're doing it on a Saturday, then you do what you want. Look after yourself. If you want to eat, and but you're playing well on a Saturday, I've got no problem with that. If you want to eat and you're not playing well on a Saturday, then there is a problem, isn't there? So you've got to be professional, you've got to look after yourself and you've got to give your best chance. You've got to give yourself the best chance of, of playing well on a Saturday. And to do that, you have to look after yourself because it's it's a hard game and there's loads and loads of games. And if you're putting the wrong stuff in your body, then at some point you're going to be found out. I think that one's put to bed then, yes, absolutely. No, that's good. And I think just the final thing to say, because we deliberately kept this as respectful as we could today I think people probably wouldn't have expected us to do a podcast today in the circumstances um, but we, we've promised to be open and honest and transparent and there's something that's very really important to Craig and I in the way that we want the club to to be going forward and so I think it was important that we did it but hopefully people will understand that it wasn't right for it to be full of hilarity as I said earlier on and and we're thinking a lot about how Matt is feeling today and and thank him again and, and that might not mean much to him at the moment but we do thank him for everything he's, he's done and um, have a huge amount of respect for him and, and kind of want to finish on that note really yeah, yeah. right well that's the end of the podcast from uh, from Hartlepool United for today as ever if you want to send any questions in if you've got a moment of near brilliance if you've got someone who you we said the hall of shame didn't we last we week did. as well yeah. if you've got somebody who you want to enter in the hall of shame we do have a couple of them that we'll read out in the next podcast if you want to send it through the address as ever media at hartleypoolunited.co.uk right late night doing the programme tonight uh, anyone for a Chinese? <laughs> thank you I'll, I'll give it a miss thanks <laughs>